This morning's reading is three Proverbs from chapter 15, verses 13 to 15. It's from the NLT version. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the, fools, fool, while the fool feeds on trash. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Colin. We are starting a new series of messages just simply called New Year's Wisdom. And uh, the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. And this morning, we, in a sense, have a guest speaker. Pastor Ken is away for, for one more Sunday as he's taken a, a break here after Christmas. Um, and we'll be back uh, middle of the following week. It doesn't really matter to you, right? He'll be back soon enough. And uh, that's, that sounded really bad. You could take that the wrong way. I don't mean that at all. At all. Um, but uh, we are hearing various voices. And last week, Sid Page uh, shared. This morning, uh, Pastor Robert Sanford is going to be speaking. I'm going to invite Robert to come. I asked him what I should say to introduce him. I, I, I know he's spoken here once before in May, and I said, should I just make stuff up? And uh, um, Robert's a good friend you of ours. You never know. <laughs> that, that, that's probably true. But Robert spoke in May, and so if you were here, perhaps you would have heard him. Uh, he served churches as a pastor in uh, Prince George and most recently here in Edmonton. He and his wife Charlene have been attending TCC now for probably a almost a year. Um, but he also does a lot of speaking at other churches, so they're not often here. And so we pinned him down for this Sunday to, to share God's word. Um, those of you who maybe go way back, and not that far back, but in the history of TCC may remember Ryan and Becky Harris. This is Becky Harris's dad, if that helps make a connection for you I as well. I love that thought. Yeah, he loves to be introduced as Becky's, Becky's dad. dad. Yeah. So, Robert, thank you for sharing this morning and looking forward to what God has for Thanks, us. brother. Let me do a couple things real, real quickly. First off, greetings from Becky and Ryan. We had the privilege of being with them at Christmas with our entire family together in Prince George. And for those who remember them, they send their greetings and love to you. Uh, secondly, uh, if you remember me preaching in May, I hope that's a good thing. Um, secondly, um, you may recall at that point in time that I had told you I was in the midst of a journey. I didn't know what the Lord held in store. And um, at that point in time, I was determined, I was determined that I was going to get back into a full-time pastoral role. Um, over the course of the, the months that followed my having the privilege of preaching and sharing with you in May, the Lord showed me his will. Um, I am no longer pursuing that, that belief the Lord has declared that he would have me step away from full-time vocational pastoral ministry which was a bit of a shock. I said, Lord, 30 years, I've, I'm your man. What, what do you hold in store? And, but once I came to peace with that, my wife and I came to peace with that decision, we made a public announcement to some friends and said, I just want to let you know we're no longer pursuing this. Within moments of that decision being announced uh, to, to those friends, one of them stepped up and said, Hey, I know a church that is looking, their, their pastor's leaving and they're looking for some pastoral um, 
voices in the pulpit going forward. And uh, so uh, about the time that we were announcing to Pastor Ken and to the board that we want to become members of TCC, applause goes here. Thank you. We found out we're never going to be here. So, um, no, I shouldn't say quite never, um, but uh, we're thrilled to be able to be uh, with you. And we want to participate in the life of the church as we're able. But the Lord has said, I tell you what, Robert, I don't need you in full-time vocational ministry, but I need you, your voice in the pulpit. And it is a great thrill to be able to be with you today. And... uh, Covet your prayers as the Lord continues to allow me that privilege, and we'll see how often we're here. Um, we uh, I, we met with with a couple of board members uh, just before Christmas to do our interview for church membership, and we told them the same thing. We said we are so looking forward to becoming a part of the life of TCC, but oh by the way, we won't be here on Sundays. Uh, but uh, it's still a thrill to know that. Uh, we are becoming a part of the body that you have, uh, that God has created here in this place. Um, let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get on into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the privilege of being able to be in your house. Father, to share the wonder of worship and your praise. But Father, above all, I thank you too for the joy of laughter for the privilege it is to find the joy that can be ours and the body of Christ. Father, we pray that as we open your word today, you will speak the wisdom found there, encourage us, and create in us a place where others will want to be a part to your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Before we get into the wisdom of Solomon's words found in the book of Proverbs, let me start with the words you find uh, in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and verse 4. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. One of the powerful realities in this life that God has called us to live as his people is that there are going to be times of highs and lows. There are going to be seasons when we will weep, seasons when we will laugh. There will be, you wonder, how could this be? How can it be that indeed everything comes together in this way? What does all of this have to do with the wisdom of God and how we should live our lives? Where is this going to take us? Well, I invite you to join me in Proverbs verse, chapter 17, verse 22, which is going to be our focus this morning. And I believe in this verse you will find the answer to what the wisdom of God has to do with us being a people who can find the power of laughter as a means of strengthening our lives and the lives of people around us. Proverbs seventeen twenty-two reads, A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Those are the words of Solomon found there for us. We, he wisely noted that true cheerfulness was good for one's health. It was understood and taught that being a cheerful person was healthy for the body, the mind, and the soul. How good and wholesome it is for us to enjoy laughter and fun as well. A lot of people will tell you that the world is no laughing matter, though. 
How can we stand, I can stand here this morning and declare that laughter is good for us when in fact we know that the world is in upheaval. People's lives are in turmoil. Many of us know, of course, firsthand that God's world in which He has allowed us to live has been troubled by sin. But if God meant what He declared in Proverbs 17, verse 22, then it is true for us today. One of the things I've enjoyed doing over the years, being a California boy by birth and and being raised there, um, there is an American political show in the morning that when time allowed, I would take a moment and, and follow along Uh, with what they had to say. The hot topic of the day, whatever it may have been, wherever it may have been in the world, fueled the conversation. And people had their opinions and they shared their thoughts. But one of the things that I found most intriguing was the laughter that they shared on the set. They came from different political stripes. They came from very different opinions about how governance should be and how people should look and live. But amidst all the heaviness of the issues, there was always laughter that found its way into their conversations. Yeah, the world is a hard and heavy place, there is no doubt, but there is also room for laughter and cheerfulness. I like this saying, its origin unknown, one good hearty laugh together could be the greatest insurance of lasting peace that men of all nations could contrive. Think about that. One good hearty laugh could be the greatest insurance of lasting peace that men of all nations could contrive. The benefit of a good laugh will go a long way in brightening your days. Think about what you've experienced here this morning. I always find it interesting. In church, worship teams, I told the worship team I was going to talk about them. If if you want to see what fun looks like on a Sunday morning, come and watch them practice. More importantly, watch them screw up have to stop, and then they have a royal good time trying to figure out what did we do. But the laughter that is shared, the love that is shared as they prepare to lead us in worship. How many times have you laughed? Have you counted how many times you've laughed this morning since you came in the door? You probably didn't. Why? Because you you found yourself saying, that's not important. It doesn't matter how many times I've laughed today. How many of you, one of the things, I, I shared this sermon with some seniors on Thursday night as a dry run for what we're doing here this morning. And it was intriguing, their response. I said, how many of you go to church, you know, you prepare yourself, you dress yourself up in your Sunday best, and then before you walk out the door, you go to the refrigerator, you grab that lemon, and you suck all the juice out of that lemon, put on your best sour lemon face, and then walk out the door and greet people at church. Good to meet you today. I'm so glad you're here. How many of you, when you were shaking hands a little later on, a few moments back, actually frowned at the people you shook hands with? Have you ever noticed that? When you shake hands with people on a Sunday morning, it gets really noisy in here. And don't you think that there's somebody saying, I wish they'd be quieter. We're trying to shake hands and worship God here. The reality is we are having a good time in the body. And that's exactly what God declares. It is good medicine for us. It is good for our souls. Think about your current experience. 
Chances are that when laughter is a fixture in your lives, we're far more upbeat, far more cheerful on the whole, more content, more open to the input of others. And my hope today isn't just that you will hear the Word of God and say, wow, that's a really good thought that the preacher gave us, but that you will live the principles and truths that you hear here in this place and that you will encourage laughter and cheerfulness in the lives of people, not just yourselves, but those who are influenced and come in contact with you. According to the Bible's teachings, it will be truly helpful for all involved. How, you wonder? Well, consider this. Good, wholesome laughter will promote all-around health. Hear it again. Good, wholesome laughter will promote all-around health. The first half of verse 22 says a cheerful heart is good medicine. Several other verses in Proverbs will support this. Proverbs 18.14 declares, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? Proverbs 15, 15, which was read a moment ago. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual, continual feast. Proverbs 15, 30. Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. The essence of these verses speaks to the truth that one's inner life impacts one's physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. The Hebrew word translated in Proverbs 17, 22 as cheerful literally means happy. So a real literal translation of chapter 17 and verse 22 would be a happy heart is good healing. A happy heart is good healing. Now the sense of all of this is that when we are able to be a person around which cheerfulness and joy ring off the walls, it will be a place of healing the hurts of the day for all around us. People will feel safe. They will find a place of retreat, refreshment in our presence. In all, when we resonate with the joy of the Lord and laughter born on the wings of that joy, people will be able to endure life's heartaches and hardships far more graciously. I like the second half of Proverbs 15, verse 15, which again was read a moment ago, where Solomon wrote that a cheerful heart was a continual feast. Now, having come through the holidays, that's what we felt we were doing, right? A continual feast. Let's sit down and eat. Why? We just ate. Well, it doesn't matter. Let's eat some more. Imagine the joy and the wonder of a life that is lived in a way that you are continually feasting on the joy that is yours in Christ. There's good health for the soul when we know laughter in our lives. Quite simply, it's a party that never ends. Now you might be thinking to yourself right about now, your preacher has lost his mind. Does he carry a joke book with his Bible everywhere he goes? My life is hectic. It's full of pain. It's full of loneliness. Seemingly little joy of any kind can be found. Simply put, my life is no laughing matter. How can he say what he does? And that's true, except for the part about me carrying a joke book everywhere I go. Life is not a laughing matter. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. Life is troubling. The last time I stood up here, I wasn't calling you to laugh. Those who remember, it was a cheerful morning. 
I was in the midst of great, great, un, you know, con- misconception on my part, I would say, or just not really knowing, Lord, what are you doing? There were far more tears than laughs back in May when I preached. Life is no laughing matter, but it is better, we'd better be able to find something to laugh at. Life is hectic, full of pain, full of loneliness. Life may seem devoid of joy, but that's all the more reason to seek God's joy so we can know true cheerfulness. Life's pains, life's heartaches, sorrows can only be overcome by the joy we find in the Lord's gifts along life's road. As I said a moment ago over the holiday, Charlene and I had the privilege of hanging out with our entire family in Prince George where Becky and Ryan and her, their family live. You know, nobody told any jokes. Nobody said, hey, I got this great one-liner. Nobody did that, but we lived in a house during those days that for the most part was filled with laughter as life happened. How can you not laugh? When you've got five little ones under the age of seven just living life, two of whom just are going to turn one here in, in a couple of days, and just they're trying to get on and live what they know of life. There were smiles. There were things that happened that you just couldn't help but giggle. As you watched each other, One of the grand things that we found was that we, as a family, knew how to laugh and find the joy in those moments. Good-natured fun, even if it is at our own expense, will brighten the hearts and encourage our spirits. Don't think for a moment that God doesn't believe joy and laughter are important in life. He's the one who had verse 22 penned. Think about that. God was the one who put the word laughter in His word. I don't know about you, but I find that greatly encouraging. It is okay to laugh. It is okay to smile, giggle, and enjoy life. Because God declared it. It is good for us. God has offered us the advice that being able to provide a place where laughter and joy and happiness are promoted will provide a place where the healing of our lives and the lives of others will take place. You might still be scoffing at the idea of laughter as a good healer and ought to be promoted in our world and our lives. If so, consider the alternative. If we promote sadness, we're going to suffer the consequences. What I mean by promoting sadness is that our realism, our discipline, our work ethic, our reasoning, whatever our reason for not promoting joy and laughter in the lives of people around us may be, is going to result in those people being crushed in their whole being. Take a look at the second half of verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What's a crushed spirit? Well, here's what a few other verses in Proverbs have to teach us about the answer to that question. Proverbs 17 and verse 21 
To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. Proverbs 12, verse 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 10, and verse 1. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 15, verse 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. If heartache crushes the spirit of a person and a crushed spirit dries up the bones, withers one's being, doesn't it become painfully clear what the result will be? I mean, pick up any newspaper or magazine and you'll read the stories of men and women who grow up in homes tortured by sadness. You'll hear in the news of homes where joy and laughter could not be found. And the result was depression, suicide, acts of aggression, personal misery. This is a a verse you don't often hear preached on Father's Day in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 that declares, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. How come the Bible never says to mothers not to exasperate the children? Just a thought and a question. At times, it's far easier to exasperate a child than it is to encourage and build them up It is far easier to exasperate people, to crush their spirits, than it is to embolden them and build them up. What happens when this happens, when it is done? They become grieved in their hearts. Why? Because they no longer feel cared for or loved or found desirable. A crushed spirit is a sad heart, a depressed mind, an overrun or unloved sense of being. Proverbs 18.14 has this to say, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? The very extreme of the inner pain screams out abuse, neglect, rejection. Can anyone live in a surrounding where tension is so rampant they live in fear of taking their next breath? In our world today, people are literally running for their lives from homes and places absent of love and joy. Now, I will admit there is an evil side of laughter that I have to mention. When we're talking about a place filled with laughter, there's an aspect of laughter, of course, we're not talking about, and that's a laughter that derides, a laughter that ridicules, A laughter that oppresses or puts down someone. We live in an age of sarcasm and cynicism. It's a monster that destroys and crushes the spirits of people. Spouses and parents and children and friends can fill the air with sarcasm, with a cynicism that dries up the bones of those around them as we've noted in Proverbs 17 and verse 22. A number of years ago, our daughter Rebecca came out with a line that isn't original to her, I'm sure, but certainly speaks to the principle of promoting joy over sadness in the lives of people. 
I don't know what it was that I said no to. But our daughter, in all of her angst in the moment, looked at me and declared, Dad, you are stealing my joy. It was a simple line that became a benchmark for Charlene and I. We talked about what had happened. And one of the things that stood out to the both of us was, why are we saying no? It's, you know, it's quite simple, really. It is just far easier to say no than to actually listen and think about the request that's been made. So as a parent, we, we just said, well, no. And then walked away because our part was done, right? As a parent, our part was done. We didn't care if it stole your joy. We had to parent you and we say no. Well, why are you saying no? Well, I don't know why I'm saying no. I just said no and that's the end of the conversation. Doesn't that sound familiar in some homes, parents? Far easier to say no than to not reason with them, but at least hear their request. Round it out a bit. As you live your life this year, Will your words and your actions inflict hurt or bring joy in the lives of people around you? How you live your life and the wisdom of God's Word that is declared. Will your words and your actions brighten and strengthen someone? Or will it weaken and destroy them? Will my words or actions crush someone or build them up? Will my actions or words bring healing to those around me? Or will it quite simply steal their joy? How would you describe your life and your relationships today? Does the first half of Proverbs 17 typify your life being a person whose words and actions bring healing and health and hope? Or is the second half more indicative? Your words and your actions being a source of deflation and destruction for those around you. My hope is that we're going to encourage laughter and love by our words and our actions. Not just with the latest joke, not just with the latest one-liner, but rather with a deeper appreciation for the joy that God has given us. Earlier we sang about the joy of the Lord. How many of you, when you were singing about the joy of the Lord, sang with a frown on your face? I don't know. I was sitting toward the front, so I couldn't look and see. I did not do the test and stand up and stare at y'all. So I don't know. I mean, when you talk about the joy of the Lord being your strength, is it done with joy in your heart? I hope so. I don't know about you, but I know I, 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 it's infectious. It's infectious. Will we be the one that will use the God-sent blessing of sharing joy-filled happiness with people that will understand and be receptive to the refuge, the healing, the fun that enlightens their whole being? Because they have been with us today.
Or will this be the one, the year where you are the one who causes hardship and difficulty? You know, we don't know what this year is going to hold. We thankfully have someone who does. And we walk in trust with him. But we don't know what this year is going to hold. Will there be during this year a time to mourn? We don't know. Will this be the year where we find ourselves wondering, will there be opportunity for laughter? Thankfully, God does know. And He has instructed us in His Word to be the ones through which people will find the strength to carry on through the difficulties. May they find us to be a source of hope and encouragement as we brighten their day, God's gift to them, to share that laughter even in the midst of the hardships. Now, i got to admit, I've often wondered what it must have been like to hang out with Jesus as He walked and interacted with people. I've read that some commentators believe that Jesus had a playful side despite the challenges that He, he encountered during His ministry. I, you know, I think about it. Of all the things Jesus could have done first in terms of the miracles that He did, well, did he do first he was at a party and had to turn water into wine and do you remember the response to that moment the servants come to the groom and say why did you save the best for last Jesus is sitting on the side frowning right oh come on Almighty God, just turn water into wine at a party. And I believe that in that moment he smiled. I mean, what kind of a thing is this? Or step further into his life. He is gathered at the gravesite of a friend. The sisters are in grief. Their brother has been dead for four days. And remember what Jesus does? First he wept. But then, remember, he declares, Lazarus, come forth. And of all the things Jesus could have chosen to say in that moment, he says, why don't you get the guy some fresh clothes? Really? Again, Jesus, what were you thinking in that moment or a little bit later on just a few, day, a few days later they're walking into Jerusalem and the, the religious leaders are just fit to be tied and declare you know tell your, your followers to be quiet and what does Jesus tell them well look I could do that guys but then even the rocks upon which you walk would declare the glory of the Lord. 
Did Jesus have a laughing, bright spot on his side? And the answer is, you bet he did. Does the word declare it in so many words? I got to believe it. I mean, how do you feed a crowd of 5,000 with a boy's bag lunch and not at least smile and say, look what God has done, folks. Look what God has done. So I ask you, did Jesus weep? We know that he did. Did he struggle the night before he was crucified? We're told that he did. But in the afterglow of his resurrection, don't you think he found some joy and mirth when he met Mary on the resurrection morning? And she called him the gardener. And remember what Jesus said to her? One word. He called her by name, Mary. I've got to believe that that one word was given with just sheer joy. Mary. Her joy was overwhelming as she ran and met the disciples with the simple declaration, I have seen the Lord. This morning as we celebrate the Lord's victory over sin and death, we too can do so without undue mourning and sorrow. Yes, remember what Christ has done. But rejoice. Celebrate the glorious truth. It is time to laugh with joy and dance with the wonder that can only be ours because of what God did through Jesus for you and for me at the cross. This is a time to celebrate that joy in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.